there. I'm Francoise Von Trapp, and this is the 3D Insights Podcast. So, hi, everyone. This week, we are recording live from Semicon West um, 2022 at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. And I am sitting down once again with the team from EV Group. I have Paul Lindner and Dave Kirsch. Hi, guys. Good afternoon, Francois. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for joining Hello. me on the podcast. Good afternoon. Well, it's only been six months since the last Semicon West because Semicon West 2021 took place in December because it was postponed from July. But usually, for those of you who aren't familiar with Semicon West, it, this is an event that takes place in the industry every year in July. And for me, this is number 16 if you include virtual Semicon West in 2020. Paul, how, how many... Semicon West have you been to? I think my first one was like 30 years ago and I missed only a few. Maybe the 25th. Maybe the 25th. You've actually missed some though. Yeah. Did, actually, you weren't here in December, were you? No. No, because you couldn't travel? Yeah. Okay. And Dave? This is going to be painful, but I am on my 34th consecutive Semicon. You know, you did this right out of high school, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We were so, very young. Yeah, very yeah. young. Like but my, within I, legal limits. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> exactly. I was, I, this is only my 16th, but I always say I was a late bloomer. I was, you know, in my 40s before mm. I came at the risk of, of telling people how old I am. It's all okay. I was yeah. uh, in my early 40s when I first came. So anyhow, it's really nice to be back in person. We had Semicon West Light in December, and um, now this feels like a full event. What do you guys think? Yeah, actually, Francoise, I think it's uh, it, it, it actually timed itself out very well for EVG. Uh, one of the big concerns was exactly how is SEMI going to posture themselves having a, a, a conference just six months after right. one after the other. Uh, I think one of the things that we've got going for us uh, this day and age is that things are happening so fast and, and things are being developed so fast that it actually uh, it actually seems to be working this year. So um, yeah. uh, we, as a matter of fact, um, were able to fill the booth with a, uh, you know, a, a tremendous amount of new equipment and new technologies, um, you know, from where we were back in December. Uh, we did... Um, uh, we did feature uh, a lithoscale system, a maskless lithography system, uh, back in December, which has proven to continue to gain much interest. Uh, now, today, we are um, we are featuring, and, and you've seen in, in you know, maybe press releases that we put out just as late as this morning um, uh, some uh, fantastic technological news that I'll let uh, I'll let Paul. Uh, elaborate on um, as far as uh, some of the bonding uh, some of the bonding requirements uh, certainly as we get into more and more uh, discussion and applications for heterogeneous integration and hybrid bonding and how it feeds into that so this is uh, it, it's actually a, a really great year for us I mean if we if, if, if we are doing uh, semicons every six months now it works out very well, well we're able I, to fill the bill I hope that the next semicon I get to go to is semicon Europa which would be like five ah, months right. from now yeah. so I have to confess I was I have not read the news today I've been busy at the keynotes and other various and sundry things so please fill me in and fill in the listeners on yeah it the has big been news. A, a busy day so far so for us. Well, 3D is arrived from the back end to the very front end. So there is in the roadmaps of all customers beyond two nanometer, there's no transistor without 3D technology. It's one finding which is more or less now in the public. Mm -hmm. uh, the press release we have today is more in the back end where we integrate dyes on wafers mm -hmm. with a collective for a direct placement die to wafer bond and we report that we could achieve 100% transfer yield. So that what does that mean? It means that it's ready for manufacturing adoption. Okay. And the, the, the big challenge with the hybrid bond technology that is so popular and so required for future high density integration is that you require front end cleanliness on a die level. Okay. And this is exactly what we have achieved through our tool because we bring the dye back to the wafer level, do the cleaning and deactivation. And so subsequently, if we transfer those dyes onto a receiving wafer, we can get these wafer level yields. Okay. 
And so, and this is applicable in for three D integration. Yes, okay. for die to wafer bonding. Dye Traditionally, wafer. we come out of wafer to wafer bonding, so we learned the front end cleanliness mm -hmm. on wafers, mm -hmm. and we made this technology available on on through our EVG three twenty system for die to wafer bonding, and the process results are really excellent. So, are we talking hybrid bonding? Or are we talking yes. thermal compression bonding? The, no, it's hybrid bonding hybrid purely. Bonding. Thermal compression bonding is still a little bit particle tolerant. Mm -hmm. You can embed particles. But for hybrid bonding, you have two polished surfaces and every particle bonding acts like a magnifying glass for right. such particles okay. that, are, that are in between dye and wafer. And so this is big news. Yeah. This is cool. Keeps yeah. us busy. Keep you busy. Keep, and the data, keep you busy and keep you out of trouble. Right. And the yeah. data wafer format helps to evolve these bonding right. uh, technologies to, to many different applications that are out there. So we were able to take our wafer to wafer, as Paul alluded to, we were able to take our wafer to wafer and expand on that mm -hmm. and make it applicable to a, a great number of different, right, uh, different applications. Well, that's excellent. And, you know, Paul, you were saying before 3D is now going all the way to the front end. No, what did you mean by that? Well, the technology like the backside power distribution mm -hmm. layer where you connect the transistor from the backside and have the signal routing on the top side is 3D integration. Mm -hmm. It involves a nano-TSV, it involves a bonding step at the very front end, and that bonded wafer pair goes through a front-end litho step again. So okay, bonded so wafers will go through to EUV scanners. Okay, so historically... EVG tools were targeted for the wafer-level packaging segment. Yes, more the back-end integration, mm -hmm. and there was some front-end use, for example, in image sensors. Okay. Like the backside illuminated image sensor where a photodiode was connected from the backside so the front side can be fully illuminated. Uh, and now the same thing happens with transistors. So the two nanometer transistors will be connected from the backside so the front side signal routing can be unobstructed. So does that mean that you are now selling tools into fabs? Yes, we, we always have been a supplier that serves the front end and the back end. We did beyond the front end even wafer manufacturers with SOI wafers, mm -hmm. so the front end cleanliness was always part of our product offering. But 3D integration didn't play a role in the next node Okay. In, in, in and now it does. Technology nodes, and now it does. Now it does. Now going forward, there will be no node change without 3D being involved. This is what we expect to see, and, and also at the IMAC Technology Forum yesterday, it was quite clear that the, the integration of power delivery and signal routing, on the disintegration on two sides brings the equivalent of one node performance increase, and I don't think it will go away in more advanced nodes once mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. performance improvement was uh, harvested. Well, it's. I like to say that it's nice that we were right all along about 3D. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true. Right. Thanks a lot, you guys. We'll talk to you again next time. Sure. Thank you. I'm speaking with Alan Weber, who is part of Symmetric's Connectivity Group, part of PDF Solutions, and they have been on a 3D Insights member company since pretty much the early days, since we first started our membership, but they have never been on the podcast. It's been a while since we've seen each other. I think that's because COVID got in the way, right? Indeed. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the role you play at Symmetrics? Okay. I'm the Vice President of New Product Innovations. Uh, that's a mouthful that means uh, I look forward to see what kind of trends are going to impact our product offerings, a uh, combination of technology and market insight. I've been uh, in this industry for a long time, mm -hmm. and so I have that kind of perspective. And so I work closely with our product marketing and engineering departments and executives to uh, kind of direct those activities. Okay. Can you just give me a little background on what Symmetrics is. Yes, the Symmetrics Connectivity Group is a, uh, a leader in the communications and control software that implements uh, the full range of semi-standards used for all of the integration of equipment into automated factories. We've most recently added an analysis and connectivity platform to that product family, which is used by 
uh, customers of equipment to actually collect data and analyze it and deal with all that. Uh, as part of PDF Solutions, uh, we also are the the sort of pipe uh, pipeline to equipment data, which is one of the key sources of information used by all the analysis and control software that PDF Solutions is known for. So it was a very uh, symbiotic relationship uh, having the connectivity group part of that uh, parent company now. Okay, and that actually has happened in the past two years, right? Uh, yes, that was uh, December of uh, 2020, I guess. 2020, was, okay. Mm-hmm. So a year and a half ago. Okay, great. And now what your software does is connect, you're connecting tools to tools, so they talk to each other? Uh, not so much tools to tools, although that is one of the uses, principally tools to uh, consumer applications that need that data. So tools to factory systems that okay. uh, that analyze and optimize uh, production. Uh, we also have control software that the tool makers use to implement uh, whatever specific process control that they need. Uh, we supply a framework that can be extended uh, and used in any process area uh, that fully implements all of the sort of commodity software functions as well as implements all the industry standards that people okay. expect them to comply with. So it's a command and control software and, and uh, data collection software. So are you pretty critical to an automated factory then? Absolutely. In fact, my, my wife is fond of saying that uh, we automate the factories that make the chips that run the world. That's, her, her, that's her one-sentence summary of what I do when well, I go you off know, in the this weeds. Is, this just shows how long the supply chain is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you are one cog in this supply chain that, mm-hmm. as we know, the chips that run the world. What are you guys showcasing new at, this, at the show this year? Well, our newest product is actually a factory-level product. It's uh, one that can be used by factories to do data collection and store information for uh, analysis in sort of big data or mm-hmm. machine learning and AI types environments. Uh, it's a, it handles all of the different connectivity standards as well as custom interfaces. It exposes all that information through a layer of common APIs that application developers can use to uh, to do whatever they need to do with mm-hmm. that equipment data. So we uh, we sort of uh, make sure that nobody has to deal with the specifics of the, of the standards. In our um, connectivity products and control products, uh, we just have continual uh, evolution. We're making those uh, more efficient and, and available on more platforms. So, uh, And uh, my, my personal uh, contribution to the show this year was uh, emphasizing the use of streaming data and applications that can apply, uh, that can improve the supply chain challenges okay. we've had. And so I'm uh, making it clear that the the standards uh, that exist and the products that implement those are equally uh, viable for dealing with streaming data, uh, which you use continuously to make continuous improvement rather than batch data where you may analyze something, you know, after the fact and then figure out what to do. So... Uh, looking at those uh, technologies uh, in the pursuit of better productivity, uh, both equipment productivity as well as uh, material uh, material flow productivity and cycle time, you know, uh, sort of sharing some new insights on how mm-hmm. to, to leverage uh, streaming data capability in our platforms for that. So can you explain a little bit about what you mean by streaming data? Uh, yeah, the, the most intuitive example people can relate to is uh, the, the comparison between a DVR and, let's say, a Roku uh, device. Okay. Uh, the DVR has got uh, a variety of programs that you've recorded and stored, mm-hmm. and then you choose when you want to, to watch that one. The streaming data, basically, you have a selection of things that are available in real time. Uh, you connect to one of those through your Internet a service provider that flows through your modem, through your you know, Roku device or mm-hmm. something else, and it's it's coming to you as you're watching it, so you don't actually store anything locally. And so the same thing can be said of streaming data. If you have a if you have a, a um, an application that that um, needs to make a decision quickly, mm-hmm. uh, for example, a, a situation where the uh, the the right answer too late is worthless. You know, right, you know, a, right. A, a pretty good answer immediately is far better than the right answer, the perfect answer mm-hmm. too late. You can use streaming data to do sort of incremental calculations of whatever it is you're trying to monitor, uh, identify incipient problems, deal with root causes as they happen, mm-hmm. rather than after the fact. So then you can make some mm-hmm. process shifts. 
You yeah, can on the fly, basically? Process shifts, resource allocations, okay. uh, scheduling, dispatching changes. I mean, the uh, as somebody pointed out in one of the talks yesterday, it, it's a very stochastic, you know, mm-hmm. random event world. And you can have a perfect plan for what you'll do for the next three days, and that plan will be out the window if something happens in the next five minutes. So you may have to replan mm-hmm. your uh, your dispatching strategy you know, every half hour or so. Mm-hmm. And if it takes a day to calculate that half hour replan, then you, it's, it's worthless. So you need to be able to do incremental replanning based on the things that happen, uh, i.e. streaming data, mm-hmm. uh, in real time so you can adjust to, to the randomness of, of this manufacturing environment. Okay. So, so that's the use of streaming data is particularly appropriate for applications that need a good answer quickly. Okay. And there and are a lot of those. You mentioned um, a presentation that you heard yesterday. It makes me think, what, what did you come here to Semicon West to learn this year? Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Well, I always like to learn kind of where people are in their thought press, uh, mm-hmm. process of applying uh, data to new, um, uh, to new challenges mm-hmm. and, and therefore applications. Uh, I'm fond of saying that, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. So we're in the communications and control business, so most problems to us look like communication problems. And so if we can figure out a better way to use the data that we have available through our software, then that creates a continuous improving market for our products. And so I'm here to see what kind of challenges people are having to deal with, what data they need to deal with those, and what uh, how we can help them you know, access and use that data. And, and are you finding the answers? Oh, yeah. I found some, some very innovative. I had a couple to offer, I thought, and yeah. uh, I'm learning some very interesting ones from the people that come by. Some very surprising ones, actually. So it's, it's great to be out here and listening again. Great. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Once again this year, the Design Automation Conference, or DAC, was co-located with Semicon West. And some of our members are actually exhibiting there. So I stopped by to see what they're up to. Um, right now, I'm speaking with Faraz Shokat of Animoy Software. And the last time we spoke was during Semicon West and DAC in December. So hi, Faraz. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Francoise. Thank you for setting this up again. Really appreciate it. It's good to see you. Um, Can you give us a refresher on what your tool is um, for? We have two tool offerings. There's a thermal solver, Mm -hmm. which is uh, lets you enter 3D geometries with power and material information, and you can uh, design um, and build up uh, geometries with um, 3D stacked die, uh, multi-chip modules, uh, and simulate them in often in seconds or minutes, which allows for very quick early architecture level exploration. So you can very quickly try different things, different stack ups, different placements, parameterize it, and just run very big designs. Okay, and I think this is the tool we talked about in December? This is the tool we talked about in December. And you've added one, though? We've had the power meter tool as well, Okay. uh, which will let you model uh, power states at the system level. The two tools do talk to each other, as power and thermal are related. They're almost pretty much the same thing. Uh, And what we've done with the thermal solver is really uh, speed it up. I mean, almost 100x to where it was before. We're working uh, with 
bigger customers and even more complex designs. Staying at the early architecture level. Right, okay. And are these targeted towards, you said, multi-chip modules and SIP? Um, what about chiplets? So chiplets as well. Uh, so we have some demos here. You can see a chiplet example. Okay. And it, it runs in a few minutes. Uh, it's pretty complex. Can you show it to me? I can show it to you here. So this is a seven chiplet example. Okay. Um, made for a low power application. You so can this see. is a model. This, this is a model. model. Okay, so what I'm looking at, and this is really cool because you can rotate it in different directions so you can see like the underside, you can see um, the interconnects, and you can see um, some, it looks like there's a dividers, so vertical and horizontal dividers. These are dividers. cut planes uh, in the design that you can then look at cross-section okay. in, in the solution. So this thing simulates very quickly. You can uh, enter in a lot of information, material information, all the BGA, IOs, and everything. Solve it. You'll get a 3D color uh, contour map across your whole design. You can look at the whole design, or you can look at individual planes. So you can see heat map uh, for this tool. And what would and in, someone use this for? So they can check uh, the placement of their different uh, chiplets. Okay. How tightly you should place these. Mm -hmm. You know, one may be particularly hot. Mm -hmm. uh, the others may be sensitive to heat. And you want to see how close you can place this because space is money mm -hmm. on these devices. So can people find out more on your website? Can they can they, find can out they more. Try, they, can they try these out or see uh, uh, demonstrators so or demos on the website? There's a white paper. There's some abstracts there. Okay. They can email us and we can set them up with a demo license. Okay. And they can try that. Uh, and then because it's on the cloud, we can very easily share demo okay. examples. Okay. So once they get into the tool, um, mm -hmm. They can download those and play with those uh, examples very quickly okay. and see what's going on there. The tool is very easy for anybody to log in and start using, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you can run very complex workloads with chiplets, uh, 3D stacks, okay. complex shapes, circles, cylinders, any irregular shape they can think of. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility and simplicity. Okay. Well, thank you, and we will yeah. keep checking in with you guys, see Great. how things are going. Thank you, Francois. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm sitting with Monita Pau of Onto Innovation, and um, the Onto Innovation is one of our community members. Good to see you, Monita. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. It's been, it's been a fun week so far. We're in uh, day two of Semicon West. Monita, can you tell me a little bit, before we dive into the news that you guys have to share, um, a little bit about your role at Onto Innovation? So I'm the strategic marketing director for advanced packaging. Okay. So overseeing our strategy going forward in advanced packaging specifically, I think right now, I think the industry is gearing more towards the heterogeneous integrations, mm -hmm. 3D stacking, and all these things. So these are my focus area. Okay, yeah. great. So you have some big news to share with us this morning. What happened today at Semicon West? Right. On to just win the 2022 Best of West Award for our Atlas V Optical Critical Dimension Metrology tool. Okay. Yep. And this is this is a front-end tool? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. So that's big news for the company in general. Yep. Um, so what did you want to talk about um, that you're showcasing for the advanced packaging side of things? I think for advanced packaging side, um, I think as I mentioned earlier, the industry is looking into chiplet integration mm -hmm. as well as heterogeneous integration in a 3D manner. So some of our products actually are gearing really towards those kind mm -hmm. of focus mm -hmm. area. And I think especially for our chiplet integration, the form factor becomes a lot bigger and some of our panel lithography to an inspection tool are targeting that market for sure. And in terms of uh, 3D stacking, hybrid bonding technology, I think um, um, I think there are many, many aspects that are important. So mm -hmm. inspection at a metrology level, as well as a particle def the defect detection level would be very, very critical in order for the um, industry to be able to enable that kind of technology moving forward. So why is particle detection so important for hybrid bonding? 
if we are thinking about the dimensions of what we are trying to look at, maybe at 10 micron bomb pad and things like that, a very small particle, for example, in the past, maybe a one micron particle would not be that much of an issue if the CDR bigger. But now we're talking about getting to the 10 micron, 15 micron, one particle, uh, one micron particle would become uh, definitely impact the yield mm -hmm. of the bonding. So I think cleanliness of the surfaces, whether it's the front, the back, the side, would be very, very important. Okay, and your tool, you have tools that do that? Yeah, we actually have tools that are targeting, inspecting these kind of uh, possible issues Okay. have bonding. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then on the lithography side, yep. um, you play in the, in the Fanet Wafer Level Packaging yep. space? Panel level pa packaging, I think there are two types of uh, panel level packaging, right? Mm -hmm. One side is the reconstituted panel, which is the traditional fan-out packaging that we have lithography to that are targeting that, as well as ins inspection to. But the other area that is a lot of focus for the company right now is using our panel two to get into the advanced IC substrate space, which as we see more and more of the customer trying to do chiplet integration mm -hmm. on a substrate, so that would be the part that we're focusing on as well. Okay, and has the industry, are they standardizing on any um, specific dimensions for the panels yet? I think there are two camps right now. There are two sizes mm -hmm. that are the customers are focusing on, and I don't think there is a clear standard. But definitely, there is one that is, um, I would say, being more adopted mm -hmm. in the customer side. Okay, so let's talk about the show a little bit. How does this Semicon West 2022 compare with Semicon West 2021, which happened in December for you guys? So I did not attend the event in 2021, but when I heard from my colleague, it was a lot quieter and uh, most people have their mask on. So, but right now what I'm seeing in here is the participant level is very similar to pre-pandemic level, which is what I had experienced. And also you can see people's faces. Finally, I get to see people's face again instead of half covered and just showing my eyes. People look different. <laughs> when they cover their bottom half of their face. I'm, I'm really surprised. Yes. Like, there's always a pause when you run into somebody and like, I know those eyes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but now it is. It, yeah, so it is. It's great to see the whole face. Like, right, right. Okay, well, it was great talking to you and we will hope to talk to you next time. Yep, right. thank you. I am here at the Class 1 Technology booth with Byron Exarchos, who is the CEO of Class One Technology, and they're relatively new members to 3D Insights. So I wanted to give them a chance to tell a little bit about the company to our listeners. So welcome to the podcast, Byron. Thank you, Francoise. It's my first podcast ever, so I'm excited to, uh, to be doing this. Yeah, so Class One Technology, we've been in uh, business for 10 years. We're headquartered in uh, Kalispell, Montana, and uh, we're, uh, we design and manufacture advanced uh, single wafer plating and wet process tools. And um, we now have over 400 reactors installed worldwide. Our core technology is in uh, advanced plating. Mm -hmm. And now we're moving into surface preparation, solvent okay. strips, metal liftoff, uh, metal etches. Mm -hmm. um, but um, at the moment, we're, we're mostly well known for uh, plating, uh, plating gold, plating copper, uh, and, and all the other associated metals. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. So you know um, that most of our audience is interested in what's happening in the heterogeneous and advanced packaging space. And I know that as we get closer to more front-end type technologies in the packaging space, such as hybrid bonding, mm -hmm. that surface preparation is really critical um, for the success and for to achieve the yields that we're looking for. Yes. So I think that's you know one of the reasons that you've become part of our community. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're heavily involved in hybrid bonding. One of our top um, markets 
and, and focus areas is photonics. Mm-hmm. Um, probably our number one application for, mm-hmm. for plating mm-hmm. and also surface prep. Um, and that goes into VIXELs, uh, LEDs, uh, micro LEDs. Mm-hmm. Where we're working on most heavily and, and specifically on hybrid bonding is in the micro LED area. Hybrid bonding is, at the moment, the preferred and chosen path for these uh, you know, high density interconnects. In, in fact, we just had a press release a couple, two weeks ago um, that focused on our new partnership with Fraunhofer Institute, the Fraunhofer Enos Institute in Chemnitz, mm-hmm. Germany. Yeah. And so we're working with them you know, very closely. Uh, they're a, a center of excellence, and in fact, their focus is hybrid bonding and, and heterogeneous integration. Mm-hmm. So their entire facility uh, works with customers, for that matter, micro-LED customers, mm-hmm. who are looking to uh, further develop uh, hybrid bonding for their devices. So there are a ton of new emerging technologies. I mean, and again, we're working with uh, several customers on uh, through glass vias, okay. and so glass substrates, yes. and plating through, mm-hmm. all the way through the glass for RF applications and, 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 and other mm-hmm. such switches. Huge, um, yeah, that's a huge deal That's right up now. and coming, and mm-hmm. so that's really a challenging application. So mm-hmm. for, for us, we're quite proud that we have uh, the the ability and, and the process technology and the reactors to, to you know, plate through glass. So I'm not sure if, if you yeah. know, but a couple of our other members are in the glass substrate business. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Semicon West. How's, it been, how's the show been for you this week? So the show has been really, really strong. Um, you know, a lot of customers passing by. I think the buzz is back mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and really excited to have met many of our current customers, mm-hmm. uh, as well as some new customers that pass by and are interested. We made a big announcement this week mm-hmm. um, where we've announced uh, Solstice SP, mm-hmm. and so we've extended the platform to support surface preparation mm-hmm. processes, solvent strips, um, high-pressure metal liftoff, and uh, metal etches. And so we've actually been working on this for two or three years. We have, we have uh, you know, several customers in production with mm-hmm. our Solstice SP, we just simply hadn't unveiled the platform yet. Right, okay. And so coming from having, you know, over 400 reactors in, in, in the field, um, most of those plating reactors, mm-hmm. um, this was actually a push from customers that, that said, hey, we're, we're looking for a resist strip uh, capability. Mm-hmm. We're looking for metal liftoff capability. And we have some frustrations on the current platform we're using whether it's redeposition issues or scratching. Um, and so, you know, we worked with customers and developed our process technology and have sold, like I said, several tools that are now in production. We chose this show and this week to make an official unveiling and, and announcement that, hey, uh, Solstice uh, SP is now formally available. Whether you're working on a wet bench or an older system and you're looking for a modern, advanced, you know, wet process system, our Solstice platform is now uh, available with uh, a suite of surface prep uh, capabilities. Like I said, solvent strip, you know, high pressure metal liftoff. And we have several unique advantages to our design. So we, we've had a ton of great conversations mm-hmm. this week. Like I said, both customers that are current customers that have a, 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 one of our plating platforms and said, hey, we love the Solstice. We like its performance, its reliability. And and it makes complete sense to expand the footprint and have a surface prep version of it right next door, right? Same parts, same service, same uh, a lot of economies of scale there. As well as new customers that saw the announcement and said, hey, listen, we're excited that you guys are getting into cleans and we're in the market and we would like to consider your solstice. So can we run a demo? We have uh, uh, an incredible technology development center. We call it the TDC. And it's a um, we have about 12 engineers that are there and focus... Uh, on demos, mm-hmm. on product development. So we're very proud of our TDC and our ability to, to work with customers, to respond to demo requests, to ch- process challenges. Um, we think we're, we respond very quickly, very professionally, and we look forward to, uh, to these new, new inquiries that we receive this week. So very exciting. Great. Well, thank you for joining us. It's really nice to have you guys on board as members, and we look forward to doing more with we you. We as well. We look forward to getting more and more involved. Thank you, okay. Francois, for this opportunity. Have a great day. Same to you. Thanks. Good morning. I am here with Meg Conkling. Hi, Meg. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Day so, four. Day four. Day, day three. three. See, we lost track of days already. <laughs>
<laughs> so Meg's here from yes. Vico. Vico is one of our member companies, and we are catching up. Meg's actually been on the podcast. If you've listened before, you may have heard her speak with our semi-sister breakfast conversation that we had at ISS, and we talked at, at Semicon. Semicon in yes. December. That seems so long ago. It does. It so was only six months. It was only six months ago. We're not. We're yeah. only. We're used to having Semicon West once a year, so mm-hmm. we've had it twice in the same. Well, not in the same year. Yes. But, but within six months. Within six months. So we're making up for COVID. Let's talk about mm. last time versus this time. Yeah, actually, when we, I think we spoke at ISS and, yeah. and things were going crazy off the rails. Um, everybody was supply chain, supply chain, and how are we going to do all this? And yeah. um, double bookings, triple bookings. Uh, and I think, you know, from the tone I'm getting in the market right now, um, things are still very, very busy. Yeah. Things are still booked out. Yeah. But I think there's definitely going to be a little bit of a course correction mm-hmm. um, because inventories are getting uh, fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe in the market with semi. So I've been in the semiconductor industry for 38 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's going to be a pause in my opinion, but I don't think there's going to be a, a, a downturn per se. And a part of that is part of the, uh, you know, the long lead times are going to catch up. Mm-hmm. And there's the other thing that might affect everything, obviously, is the inflation and, right. and you know, the geopolitics and what's mm-hmm. happening. But the overall semiconductor industry, different segments are continuing to grow. Our lead times are, can, are basically way out there still as of right. today. Now, right. are you guys, as equipment manufacturers, mm-hmm. um, having an issue with the chips, needing the chips to make the tools to make the chips? Yes, of course we are. All of yeah. us are yeah. doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the worst is over. Yeah. I think if you you look look back during uh, the last six months, uh, it was a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that deliveries are going to start to come back in. Mm-hmm. Vico especially, uh, we are positioned inc- incredibly well for the latest technology nodes, 7 nanometer and below, for our laser spike anneal product, uh, back-end AP300 product. And we've actually doubled our capacity, and I think I talked about that. We've mm-hmm. doubled our capacity in our manufacturing mm-hmm. and made that commitment. And, of course, it takes time to catch that up, but as things grow, we're positioned to grow with it. So, for example, I talked to you in December. We were, you know, 12-plus months out. Right. But by next year, we will catch up. Right. And it'll be more realistic lead times. So that's, that's basically where we stand. Uh, from a chip demand perspective, do you think that, you know, there's still a shortage, but yes. there's also a slowdown in consumer spending. Yes. So in certain, certain segments. So yes. certain segments, certain products yes. are not putting that strain. Correct. Right. Correct. Um, automotive. Automotive. Has, is every, it's still in a very t- tough situation. Yeah. And automotive. I listened to um, yeah. Bertolt from Volkswagen mm. on you know, in the keynotes. Right. right. And one of the things that really struck me about that keynote talk was that they're not interested in five and three nanometer. They're looking for 40 nanometer and above. That's right. And talking about 8,000 semiconductors in their Porsche Titans. Actually, the electric bo- uh, Porsche Boxster S that's coming out in 2025 that I'd like to get, is uh, d- they've doubled their chip yeah. uh, requirement. I bet you would like yeah. to have one of those too. In a perfect world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It would be lovely. It would be lovely. <laughs> so that market I, I segment. Really, I honestly have a real issue with paying as much for a vehicle as I might for a small house. Yes. Or, yes. You know, I don't want to have a mortgage on my car. Um, yes. I'm really, I'm going to really struggle with that actually because I really don't like having a car payment. And, yes. <laughs> and you got to have a car payment now. But you know, I got to say for the high end EV vehicles, it's going to be, you know, the trucks are 85, yeah. 80, right? Yeah. But there's over 158 models coming out, I think there's going to be a $30,000 EV that can go the distance yeah. and it's going to be able to meet our needs. I think that, that the automotive industry realizes that they can double, triple, quadruple right. their business easily, <clears throat> excuse me, if they can come out with something yeah. that is like what you talk about. Yeah. I thing, can actually yeah. afford the car payment. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, that there's going to be consumer demand for that. I mean, I think they really set their sights a few years ago on, on how it's, not, it's going to be the sharing economy. Mm-hmm. And people are not going to own cars. They're going to share cars. And, and I don't know if that's still the mindset, especially since COVID. Because who wants to share a car with somebody that you don't know? I mean, yeah. ultimately. So yeah. we'll see where that goes. Yeah. You know, the other yeah. thing that was interesting is that he said these chips, regardless of, it's not 
autonomous vehicles that's driving the chips. It's the electric vehicles. It's it's all of the other infotainment, mm -hmm. the safety right. um, that is driving the need for more semiconductors. So it's not even the um, aspirational need for autonomous vehicles mm -hmm. that seems to have simmered down a little bit. Yes. The hype, it's coming down the other side of the hype cycle, I think. Right. But. I agree, but don't forget the data center space right. and all the data, all the AI, right. and all that is driving consumption. Right. Right. Uh, again, that space is growing significantly, right? right? right. You look at what Intel and how they're positioned right. to meet uh, data center requirements, and their business can really explode very quickly. So tell me about what you guys are showcasing here. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I mentioned about we're positioned for the Laser Spike and Neil mm -hmm. product. If ever, anybody's heard of, of Ultratech in the past, yes, it's yes, a yes. part of our Ultratech. Division, okay, yeah, um, and we're really excited about um, the technology extension mm -hmm. that the Laser Spike Anneal provides. Yeah. Our platform, our newest platform that we've introduced, actually takes customers like the high-end Logic, high-end DRAM from the node today mm -hmm. to three to four years out for the same platform. Yeah. That's quite significant, I think, because our competitor has basically a solution for this node and this mm -hmm. node only. It's a low-cost solution, but customers realize that when we invest once, it's going to last through from seven nanometer, four nanometer, three nanometer. Mm -hmm. okay. So, yeah. so um, we're dr helping drive and enable mm -hmm. those customers um, as they're building, as you know, the density and the DRAM is how much stacked so mm -hmm. high. It looks like, uh, you know, the Sears. It looks like uh, the Salesforce. Oh, you mean building. the the 3D NAND? The 3D NAND. Yeah. Yes. Right. right. So the okay. memory is just getting yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, how to manage that? Yeah. So we're providing that technology. Yeah. Then we still have our AP lithography, the back end. As mm -hmm. you know, everybody's talking about advanced packaging and the and all that technology. It's interesting. A year ago, two years ago, nobody talked about the back end. It was like, it was like nobody. Well, we did. Yeah, we always talked we about did. the back end. Right. We knew. Right? We knew, knew how important it was yes. going to be. Yes. But now. <laughs> We're feeling really vindicated right now. It's yeah. like, I told you. <laughs> I said I said in 2007, advanced packaging is going to save the world. That's right. And uh, That's right. it took a while. That's right. I'm a visionary. You are. I know you are. I know you're a visionary. You can see things, but that's we're providing the AP uh, yeah, lithography yeah. solution for that as well. Awesome. And we've been involved with all the large companies. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so that's a lot of our growth. And then yeah. we have IBD, which is ion beam deposition, which is a, it's a competitive product to the current PVD platform. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, physical vapor dish. Right, right. So we're looking at the metals, uh, tungsten, tungsten silicide, ruthenium, and we have a new product that we're launching um, and we will have beta units coming out at the end of this year, and we will be competing and, and providing that technology as well. So all those are smack dab in the middle of the growth that's mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. for the technology enablement in the semiconductor space. And so we expect, I expect within two years, we will double that business. Well, we will be watching yes. and we will catch up next time. Yes. And thank you so much for the, taking time out. You. We'll see you later. Absolutely. I'm here with Jim Garska from Plasmatherm and Plasmatherm is our newest community member at 3D Insights. In fact, they signed up this week because they saw how much fun it is to be part of this exactly. community. Yeah, welcome, th and thank you for, uh, for having me today. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So it, here it is, uh, day, three day three of Semicon West. And so we can talk about what, you've been, you know, what, what have you noticed this week? It's good to be back in person. People were excited. There's uh, a little energy uh, at the show, certainly compared to uh, December. Right, uh, right. Um, so you difference. were here in December that as well, in right? December, correct. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. I liked December because um, there were some, you could, the people who were here really wanted to be they here. They wanted to be here. I, and I kind of feel like that's the, the same, same vibe to uh, the last couple of days yeah. here. Too. But at least we get to see people's whole faces. That's, yeah. Instead of like, I don't know if that's good or bad. I started to get to know people by their eyes. Like I could probably identify people now with masks on where like last in December it was like, what? Yeah. But um, anyhow, because you're you know new to the community mm -hmm. and it's the first time you've been on the podcast, um, let's let listeners know what is Plasmatherm all about. Plasmatherm has been around almost 50 years. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't know the full extent of what we do now. Yeah. So the company did a, 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 an MBO, management buyout, in 2009. Okay. And since then, they went on a little acquisition spree, seven, seven acquisitions over the last 10 years. Uh -huh. So now we really uh, are kind of a premier supplier at the specialty market for etch equipment, uh, deposition, 
um, material modification and our plasma di- dicing solution. So at its mm-hmm. core, those are the four okay. focus areas of technology that we provide solutions uh, to customers. And, and within those four core spaces, we have a variety of platforms that we deliver. We have the ability to really provide solutions to lab to fab, uh, and that's our customer base globally. We have a lot of uh, small universities and big universities all the way to full high-volume manufacturing customers around that specialty substrate. So do you work in collaboration with your customers to help them develop their processes? We do. And then they can grow, I mean, take the Plasmatherm tool set from the lab to the fab? Yes. Do technology transfer? It's easy to transfer. The The control systems are the same. Recipes mm-hmm. port very easily. So mm-hmm. we have, uh, make it very easy to do that. Yeah, because we know how long it can take to qualify a process and once you get it in, you want to be able so to use it. so difficult to change, yeah. absolutely. So how is the situation right now with the supply chain impacting you guys? I think that was a common uh, uh, thread uh, yeah. this week. Everyone is having issues, yeah. um, and we're not uh, unique. Yeah. Right? We're similar. You know, like like everyone, revenue uh, is difficult because you, sh- you can't ship stuff. Right. Um, and that's one of the big reasons uh, we sent extra people here to the show this mm-hmm. week is supply chain, new suppliers, and yep. just get creative with how to get certain components in. Yeah, getting the chips to build the tools, tools to build to the build chips. chips yeah. Right, yeah. That is that is a theme. That yep. is an overarching theme. Okay. So that's something we get if we need to figure out uh, so that we can reach that trillion-dollar revenue number. It's in by, sight. It's, it's yeah, around the corner. Can, if we can get there, yeah. it'll be great. It'll yeah. be great for the industry. So um, you guys were not exhibiting any tools. Not, no. We okay. did it uh, this year. We did actually something new. We went with the Kite Rocket Lounge uh, sponsorship. So tell me a little bit about the Kite Rocket Lounge. We, we found it was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, we did, I was able to have a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, customer meetings in a, in a, in an outdoor environment. Yeah. It's casual. Uh, it's a relaxing environment. People st- tend to spend uh, more time with you. You get yeah. a little more information. Uh, and then when after the meetings, if they want to just enjoy themselves with some water or coffee and, and enjoy the outside, and then before they come back to the show, they can. Yeah. Um, so we've, we found it, it, uh, it, it was different, but very good. Great, right. Yeah, I like spending some time up there yeah. myself. It's nice to get a little and, sun. Know, Rocket is yeah. also, full disclosure, is a member of 3D Insights as well. They're yes. a member company because okay. they support a lot of um, companies that are suppliers to the space. I understand you launched a new tool this week. We did. It was exciting. So at the end of 2020, uh, Plasmatherm bought portions of the OEM group. And when we did that, we acquired four legacy lines uh, into our technology portfolio. Okay. Um, some PVD equipment, the MRC Eclipse, the uh, Sputter Film and, and Endeavor, mm-hmm. um, the TGAL products, and then the AG Heat Pulse, the 8108 and 8800 models. Okay. And over the last year, we found uh, that the customer base is still a heavy user, even though those tools are, the, the Heat Pulse specifically, is over 25 years old. There's a lot of them in use, and for silicon carbide, again, in some of these specialty markets, they're ramping from 6-inch to 8-inch, to and there's mm-hmm. a lot of demand for it. The problem was you can't get parts anymore for these systems. So we went ahead and re- re-engineered uh, the system. So it's a brand new uh, heat pulse that's so available to the market. So that is excellent news. Yeah. You know, we were um, list- I was listening in the keynotes, and the presenter from Volkswagen was talking yes. about... That's one area where we still need legacy products. Let, let you know, okay. legacy node. They've increased the number of of um, ICs in the vehicles to, and, and they, it's going to continue to go up. And they're not concerned about five nanometer chips. They no. want forty nanometer and above. And the legacy that's, tools. That's funny ones, you mentioned yeah. that that CEO because one of their suppliers is one of the heavy users of this equipment yeah. that we we uh, built it for. Yeah, awesome. So that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. nice when all you know you tie all the ends together. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to touch on: you serve from the front end through the back end with your tools. That's correct. So for the 3D Insights audience, we were focused a lot on um, heterogeneous integration, 3D stacking, yes. TSVs, and I know that you have the Cobus tool sets. Cobus tool set and and the MDS, which is for plasma dicing. Right. For, so Cobus uh, was a technology we acquired a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that is uh, uh, for, for TSV, and, and we see a lot of that for advanced packaging. Yeah. It's a technology that bridges ALD performance mm-hmm. with CBD. So right. it's, a, it's a hybrid technology, um, which there's a lot of interest in mm-hmm. oxides and nitrides and metal deposition there. Mm-hmm. And then the MDS platform is for 
true dye singulation, mm-hmm. but instead of using a, a laser or, or traditional saws, we're actually using plasma mm-hmm. uh, to singulate the dye. So it's a lot of advantages there. Uh, street sizes can get incredibly mm-hmm. narrow, uh, and there's a, a host of other um, advantages that people do that. But again, with a lot of newer technology, it, mm-hmm. it's a growing market. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about why plasma dicing right now is becoming more popular it's the real advanced uh nodes it's where they're looking at the front end of doing Mm -hmm. some of the some of the packaging the front end that's driving the Mm -hmm. interest right now Uh, and you need new technology it's it's really getting to the integration narrow streets Mm -hmm. you have the ability to uh tailor uh the corners of the die so you can have little rounded edges on Mm -hmm. it so it reduces stress so it increases yield Uh, um, there's also the speed you can do some of this faster depending on your integration scheme you have the ability to use a mask or not a mask. So okay. there's a lot of variations uh, on how you can you can apply the technology. Right. And now hybrid bonding is a big deal. Correct. Right. And yes. died away for hybrid bonding is becoming um, a viable process. Um, cleanliness is a big issue. I know that dicing is a dirty process. It's there's a, dirty... a lot there's a lot of particles when you're dicing. Right. So can you talk a little bit about the benefits of plasma? Yeah, well plasma it's clean. It's just a, it's yeah. just a gas, so it's uh, easy to do and with with uh, that technology we partnered with uh, Disco. Okay. Who's the leading expert and uh, supplier in the back end uh, with all of their their systems. So uh, we work with Disco since since uh, 2016 to provide this technology. So when they when they're engaging with customers it's there so they're the, the leader with the saws and, and lasers, mm-hmm. typically for those applications. More of their customers are demanding a different, cleaner technology mm-hmm. faster. Um, and that's when they, they work with the customers to, in, in, to introduce the plasma. Okay. Right. Well, thanks for joining today. It was good to meet you, and we'll be following and talking as things All right. Progress. Thank you, and, and uh, have a great rest of the show. Yeah, you too. I'm here at the Cyber Optics booth at Semicon West with Vidya Vijay. And what's your role, Vidya? I'm a senior program manager. I'm also the product manager for WaferSense and ReticalSense that we are uh, exhibiting today. Okay, so we actually just did a visit to Cyber Optics about a couple of months ago and did an entire uh, tour through the facility and talked a lot about the WaferSense technology. Um, so, uh, do you have anything new that you were introducing here at the show? Yes, we are super excited to introduce two couple uh, two new sensors so this ATS2 is a camera sensor mm-hmm. that's replacing our current sensor it is a much thinner and we are going from a single camera so wafer sense to a double camera. We have a downward-looking camera and an upward-looking camera at a three and a half millimeter thickness. And uh, this is, uh, which is great because it is so much like a wafer light mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. much lighter than our current sensor at higher resolution. And these are color cameras. And uh, these sensors, because it is so thin, it can travel anywhere in the tool and uh, help with uh, robot handoffs and wafer wafer handoff teachings. Right, so this basically is... do tool evaluations um, to or, have, or calibrations? To, yes, to make sure that the robot arm is uh, passing the wafer through various stations mm-hmm. properly. So it is basically to tune the robot arm okay. uh, and the wafer handoff system itself. So there is no wafer slippage, there is no wafer breakage, and it is also uniformly placing the wafer in the center of the pedestal. So that is important how the wafer is placed. It is not biased to one side or the other side. So because when it, when the next time it picks up for the next process, it can, you know, it can break or slip or does not place uniformly. Then it can get plated properly. There's just, it can help with uh, eliminating so many issues. Okay. And all of this can be done without opening the tool. Okay. We are wireless. We don't have to break vacuum, and we can go up to 60 degrees Celsius. So they don't have to cool the tool completely down to room temperature. Okay. So if they are opening up the tool, they have to completely, you know, cool it down. They don't have to do all that. So we save a lot of time with that. Okay. All right. And what about this one? This is our very first camera sensor in a reticle format. Okay. So, this so I'm is looking our... at the, the first one we were looking at. It looks like a wafer. Yes. Is it a wafer 
um, holder, and the second one I'm looking at is actually a perfect square. Yes. And 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 this so this must be for um, a lithography. Systems? Yes, mask shops. Uh, okay. Mask shops or reticle uh, reticle tools. So here we are looking at this has five cameras and a center camera. So what this is doing is uh, uh, teaching to edges of the reticle. So these reticles are placed in a cathode capture plate mm -hmm. where uh, there is a gap around the mask placement usually. So it is important to have that gap very very uniform. So we can teach. Very very intelligently, we have very specific algorithms uh, mm -hmm. for edge detections. We can detect the edges and we can give a summary measure X, Y, and Z offsets so they can easily program um, program their robots and their tools. So again, this is vacuum compatible and uh, we can do this without opening the tool. Okay. It is all wireless communication. Now, are these both for front-end tools or can they also be used in the back-end? So these are all front-end tools. Okay, okay great. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about uh, Semicon West and your Semicon West experience this yes, year. This, uh, we've been so, so busy at the booth. There have been a lot of interest, a lot of new interest, mm -hmm. new fab, uh, you know, that's uh, breaking ground. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of engineering people from the new uh, new fabs. And uh, it's been great. It's been very, very busy and it's been pretty good. And uh, the talks itself has been very interesting. Mm -hmm. I do see the trend change from smart systems to all sustainability this year, which is super exciting. That's really important, too. So, yeah. Anything else that you've noticed specifically from, um, you know, any of the talks? What have you learned? So, you know, there were a couple of talks that actually addressed toxic waste. You know, we are usually talking about energy efficiency, mm -hmm. you know, power saving and all that. Uh, the two couple of talks that I wasn't able to completely listen to, but there are uh, they are addressing toxic waste, which in semiconductor industry is a huge, huge deal. Huge deal. Yeah. So that is like a big thing that we can address. I am so glad that they, they are bringing all that to light. Yeah, yeah, it's really important. Well, we have virtual... Uh, recordings, right? right so I'm yeah. planning to listen to those. Those pique my interest big time. Great, great. Well, thank you for showing me this today and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, so now I am sitting here and speaking with Alex Chow and Sai Donraj of YES. Although we've had YES featured on this podcast many, many times, this is the first time these guys have joined us. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And um, if you would, for our listeners, tell us um, a little bit about your background. Of course, of course. My name is Alex, and uh, I've been in the uh, advanced software, uh, advanced uh, packaging industry for 25 years. I started my career with Sus Microtech. I spent 15 years at Ultratech, which is the lithography uh, market share leader for this packaging. After Autotech, I spent three years at the Rudolph Technology, or right now it's Antu Innovation. Mm -hmm. Joined YES about one half years ago. Okay. Well, we're familiar with all of those companies. Of course. Yeah. Um, and Ultratech is part of Vico now. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. So, so all the Zeus are member companies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, we might have known each other for a while. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and Sai, how about you? So, um, I've started at Cypress Semiconductor, been there for about 14, 15 years, then moved to Infineon. Cy uh, Cypress was acquired by Infineon, done a lot of technology development and product marketing there, business development. And now I'm here uh, with YES for over a year now. And uh, Okay, so you've gone from the manufacturing side to the equipment side? Yes. Okay, so that's an interesting transition. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we can have a conversation about... Um, um, TJ Rogers Winery because I've actually been to visit there when they launched the DECA. Yes, yeah. and I have lots of memories there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyhow, 3D Insights isn't just about the technology, we're also about the people in the industry. So Absolutely. Um, so here we are at Semicon West, it's the final day. Um, what have you guys been showcasing in your booth this year? Of course. So I think it's exciting timing, right? So when I joined YES, we are very focused on the wafer sequence. Mm -hmm. But starting about 12 to 16 months ago, we started putting a lot of resources and effort into the IC carrier or advanced uh, substrate market segments, mm -hmm. right? So we have our uh, next generation product cure for uh, polymer curing for wafer and also panel segments. Sai is also responsible for our new products which we have the uh, Viroserm, which is a forming acid reflow for mm -hmm. wafer. Uh, we also have the um, Tesora uh, for edge panel removal system for both Thai copper removal as well as AB film removal. 
Okay, and is this in the front-end processing? Or it's back in the back-end process advanced okay. packaging, but okay. for both wafer and IC substrates. Oh, okay, I see. All right. And Sai, what are you here featuring? The same products, and, and, and the, the goal is basically um, bring our new products out and kind of uh, talk to our customers about it. Yeah. And, and kind of drive some business. That's well, that's good. Now, are these these are all new products to the industry? Then you just launched them all. Well, the first product, Verda Cure, has been in the industry for ten plus years. Actually, okay. uh, for example, we have about more than three hundred chambers in uh, in Asia and worldwide. Actually, uh, we just received the volume and uh, repeat orders from one of the biggest uh, foundries for to support the uh, expansion in twenty twenty three. So that has been the uh, POR in uh, high volume manufacturing for many many years. Okay. Yeah. And the new products are the, uh, the later two products I just mentioned. One is for um, solder reflow. The other one is for edge cleaning. Okay. Well, great. Anything else that you want to talk about? So, um, nothing. Um, basically, uh, we are um, you know, bringing these products later this year, and, and uh, we're kind of showcasing them in our booth. Okay. And, and um, uh, you know, we're going to follow around with Semicon West in Taiwan and all of the places. Semicon Europa? Europa and, and also there. so let me just um, clarify these are products that you're working on no you the, the, the first product we have been had, in right, the POR okay. in the high volume manufacturing right the second product which is a solder reflow uh, mm -hmm. will be released to the first customer in uh, Q4 this year okay and uh, the third product which is for IC substrate 510 by 550 millimeter CC again glass panel and uh, the system will be shipped out in uh, toward the end of this year. Okay, so we'll be on the lookout for those announcements. Correct. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot for joining me today, guys. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you. There's lots more to come, so tune in next time to the 3D Insights Podcast. The 3D Insights Podcast is a production of 3D Insights, LLC.